Okay. I'm recording. Wow. Unbelievable. What a great conversation. And just at a time that we needed it most. Well, I thought that was very funny that it just kind of ended up being during this time. I was just pulling up their bio. So we should probably tell everybody yeah, who we just spoke to, right? Let's talk about it. All right. So we just spoke to Amy Scholes and Jessica Randolph. And I am so sorry if I pronounced those last names wrong because I didn't ask you how to pronounce them. So apologies. But they are the co-founders of How to Buy a House Class. They started their real estate careers while their friends were still in college, and they were lucky to learn the ins and outs and the beauties of homeownership early on. With little know-how and some savings, they bought their first homes in their early 20s and soon after leveraged that equity to purchase their first investment properties. As business partners with a combined 15 years in real estate, they started to take notice to a pattern. Many of their clients entered the process full of fear and confusion until they stepped in. It became clear that few people had access to accurate and digestible information on why and how to buy a house. They knew that if they could be homeowners, that other people could do it too. So they decided that things needed to change. So enter into the next step of their business, which is how to buy a house class. And they're really excited and thrilled to be the number one home buying class in the US. And they're bringing it to a city near you. I mean, these ladies are, it's very fun. Like I say in the beginning, it's very rare that we get to talk to another business duo. So it was very, very fun to be able to kind of talk and have that banter. And they definitely had that that real estate essence. Joie de vie. Joie de vie. That I think it was the word. Joie de vie. They, they really had that presence. And what was nice too is that they knew how to tie it back in to their class. Yeah, I thought this was great. I've really wanted to do an episode about this for forever. So I'm so happy. So we did pros and cons of renting versus buying. Very, very important, right? We did expectations for first-time homebuyers, the things that they should consider as they're walking into this experience. And also experience of them going to their class for the first time, which was really fun. We talk about a lot of home buying myths because there's so many out there. And then why and how can we make home buying more accessible to people our age and people that are younger? Because as we say in this episode, and that's what I kind of loved about it, is that we are empowering people to know that you don't need to have A plus B equals C and C is the house. You can not have A and B figured out. And if you still want to have a house, there's a way to figure it out. And I think that's really beautiful because so many people, even I and my husband, when we were looking, really, really believed that we were not worthy of having a home, that we were incapable of doing it, right? We were worthy, but very incapable because of our bank account. And I think through this episode, you're going to learn that that's actually not the case and there are ways to work around things. So I really, I'm so thankful, you know, I was like not really quite sure how this episode would go just because I never actually spoke to the ladies before. They have a, a PR agent, Emmy, who is lovely. So if she's listening to the shout out and sometimes when I'm dealing with PR agents, I'm not really sure if those people are actually interested in being on the podcast, if they even know who we are, if it's just a money grab for them, even though they're going to get no money off of it. You know, like I'm never quite sure what's going to happen in those situations. So I kind of came into this like, uh, I don't know. Hopefully these women are more than, and they were infinitely more than. But doesn't that speak to the whole conversation we had as you go into home buying going, I don't know. Yeah. And with the proper person on your side, you are going to feel so much better. 
I think get, get I think, ready to learn, get yeah, ready to get be empowered. I, I think a lot of people take are going to yeah, take notes, have a notebook. That's a great idea. But you can do this. Like this is totally an eligible goal for for anybody and and yeah. they're going to prove that to you. So I think let's get into the conversation with Amy and Jessica. Welcome to Break the Cycle. We are your cycle breakers and hosts, Emily Palacios and Stephanie Laverde. We are here to have honest and thought-provoking conversations that inspire you to break the cycle of generational traumas, mental health, societal pressures, women's health, toxic relationships, and most importantly, make our 15-year-old selves proud of the person we have become. In each episode, we will be joined by an expert to empower you through education, and at the end of each episode, answer questions or advice sent in by you, our listeners. So get ready to take the first step in your journey to break the cycle. Well, hi, ladies. Thank you so much for joining us. This is really exciting. And like I said, kind of kismet. I've been wanting to do an episode on buying your first home for a while, Mm -hmm. because I think there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. And as I know, because I am a home buyer and a my first home that I'm currently in, the paperwork can be scary and overwhelming and they try and make it really difficult. So I'm excited to kind of break the cycle of all of that paperwork and what it actually means to be a homeowner and how to find good deals and all of that. But we'll get straight into the beginning of your story because it's not often that we have two other people on the mic with us who are also best friends who are in business together. So I'm really excited to also dive into that side of your relationship because Stephanie and I answer that question constantly. So I'm curious about that side as well. But like I said, let's start at the very beginning. I need to know what made you both get into this field, what made you want to get into business together and all of that good stuff. Yeah. So, well, thank you for having us. First off, we're excited to be on here and talk about all of this. I met Jessica kind of cosmically. She was teaching this first-time homebuyer class in Nashville, and one of my friends attended and came to me and was raving about Jessica. I was kind of in between jobs getting out of the music industry in Nashville, and I met Jessica for coffee, and she immediately was this amazing, bubbly, charismatic character and told me, I'm going to take you under my wing and teach you everything I know about real estate. And so that's kind of where it started. We were mentor and mentee and then grew into friends and business partners. And then I had been teaching a how to buy a house class in Nashville just here and there. And that was kind of like the birth of the how to buy a house classes. We were already teaching people in Nashville the nitty gritty of how to buy a house because we both, I mean, Amy and I both felt like this was a class that needed to be taught. And I wish I would have taken a class like this in high school or college. And always thinking like, oh, well, I'll buy a house when I'm married one day or when I have my dream job one day and teaching people that you don't actually have to wait for those things to happen, but you can buy a house as soon as you're ready. And so Amy and I both just saw the power of this class in Nashville. And that's kind of like how we decided to take it elsewhere too. I love that. Steph was just over with her boyfriend last night. We were having dinner and we were literally talking about this idea of creating classes, but for life, like why is there not yeah. classes being <laughs> that for people to educate them on like how to pay your taxes? What is social security? How to buy a house? house. Yeah. Like just all of these very fundamental human things that our parents are like, no, let's shove it behind a closed door and never talk about it. And you're like, but please, I'd like to know how to human when you're gone, please. So I think it's super important. It's something that I have spoken about since I was in college. And I was like, where are life classes though? Like I'm an adult after this and I don't know what that means. So I think that's amazing. So then what is your kind of business dynamic? 
dynamic because Amy said that you were mentor mentee. So a little bit different than how Steph and I got into things, best friends first, and then later on became business partners. So you kind of had that business side and then turned it into a working relationship. Like what is some of the things that you guys go through on kind of a weekly basis? I would say that we work together so well because we're like yin and yang. We have different skill sets and different personality traits. And so we just fit together really well. Jessica is a pro saleswoman and personality. She started out as kind of the face of the company and started connecting with agents across the country who are now teaching our class. And I am more detail oriented behind the scenes running the systems and the technology. So that's kind of how our working relationship works. Amy's basically just, oh, I almost swore. I'm so glad you told me not to swear. It happens all the time. We, I love to swear. I mean, I do it in my classroom constantly. <laughs> so it's crazy that I just don't do it on here. I have three kids, so I'm really good at not swearing. But when I'm around other adults, I always feel like it's a green light. But yeah, not- you got to trust me. I, I always I'm like, I have to constantly like be, the filter has to be on. Yeah, for sure. We say rats a lot in this house. It's like, oh, <laughs> so anyways, but Amy isn't g- giving herself enough credit where Amy and I, you know, obviously started working, you know, mentor mentee kind of in the beginning. But then I very quickly realized just how incredible she is at coming up with something in her head and then actually making it a reality. And just like her execution is incredible. And I was like, oh, you are way smarter than me at most things. So how do I just keep you around me all the time? And yeah, so we like immediately, I'm like, you have to be my business partner. We have to take this this class nationwide. And we've been working together, I think going on four years, almost five years, four years. But how to buy a house nationwide, it's only been about a year and four months. I mean, by the grace of God, we've had so many amazing things happen as a company, but it's just a lot of it is just the horsepower behind Amy's motivation. And yeah, she's incredible. So I was like, we have to work together and it's been really fun. So I love that. That's probably my favorite part about working in my partnership with Stephanie is that you get to be inspired by somebody else. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, something that I tell Stephanie all the time, because she is much more creative than I am. I can take something to a certain point and then I hand it off to her and what she's then able to do with like kind of my very brief outline that I've done. She like streamlines it and perfects it. And it's just incredible to see her taking something that I started and finishing it to like the thing that I wanted it to be. Well, and Emily's like kind of how you guys were saying, where you like yin and yang Emily's good at just getting something started. I'm terrible at it because I'm like, no, it's got to be perfect. Do you guys ever find that that's something you ever struggle with where it's like you get overwhelmed at like all the perfection of it? Or do you feel like you just jump right into it with no fear? I think when we started, I had this mindset being detail oriented and a little bit of a perfectionist that I wanted everything to be perfect before it was implemented. And then we learned from different mentors and just from trial and error that something implemented at 80% is better than something never implemented. So we definitely have learned that. And now we lean into that more and we launch new things before they're probably ready just so that we can grow based off of the feedback. I love that. Yeah. Stephanie's putting things gonna out get at that 80%. Tattooed on oh her. yes well because it's true I mean you're you're starting somewhere and then you can kind of tweak along the way you know I don't think I don't think anyone's expecting anything to be perfect right away yeah of course well, and if you look at a lot of like major companies I feel like they always you know they're changing they redo their logos they yeah. update their website they update their slogan it's like we just needed to start what we felt passionate about and we felt like those other things would follow and like just by getting out of the harbor and into the water and like figuring out how to navigate and 
and operate together. We've learned so much that if we would have waited till everything was perfect, we probably would be like, oh, we actually didn't need that whole extra, you know, whatever Thing, yeah. with us. Yeah. And so I just feel like that's what we're, we've gotten good at this last year with our company is just like troubleshooting along the way, fixing things as we go, implementing these new ideas right away. And yeah, just keeping, keeping going. I will say the coolest thing. So I'm working with a realtor right now and man, I have never experienced such a, you have to be on the money. I mean, she was like in the middle of doing something when like the one lease that we had fell through and she was like, I'm sending you two more options. I'm going to get back to you later. And I was like, you're in the middle of like working on something else. Why are you like sending it to me? But it was, it. I don't know. It's just, it's a true testament to like the type of personality I think you have to have is you have to be a really like go-getter. And it kind of feels like that's what you guys are saying is like in the beginning, maybe the perfectionism held you back. But then once you realized, oh, okay, I could just throw that 80% in, you like, you just dove head first. So do you guys find that like with the clients that you work with, do you find that you have to kind of hold their hand a little so they're not so scared? Because I was absolutely frightened until I found my girl and she like explained everything to me. And I'm like, oh, this isn't as scary as I thought it was. So like, do you ever find that you have to kind of talk people off the ledge? Well, it's funny because you you basically the question that I had is the question that you're asking. And I was yeah. like, I bet it leans into that 80 percent thing that you were talking about where like you don't like Jessica was saying earlier, you don't have to like have this like picket sign like I've gotten married. I've had children. Now I have a house. Like you don't need to be a hundred percent human. You can just be 80% solidly yourself and be like, no, I, I'd like to do this for my future. So I kind of was like, oh, I'd like to ask that question. So thanks, Stephanie. And you took it out of my mouth. Yeah, 100%. That is the reason why we started the class is Amy and I both realized with working with our first time homebuyers that they want someone to hold their hand, even if they have a partner or a dad who owns 20 rental properties, like they still need that confidence. And and their questions answered and a lot of the fear that they have taken away. And even great realtors sometimes are not great at doing that with their clients for whatever reason. Maybe they're busy or, they're, or they assume that their buyer is already confident and knows everything. And so we basically just like pulled back the curtain to say, this is scary. It's the biggest purchase of your life. It's okay to be scared. Let's take away all the fear and talk about how to be educated on all of this and why buying as soon as humanly possible can change your life. Amy and I both bought our first houses very early on in our early 20s. And now financially, we are just so blessed because we took the plunge and there's no way we would have felt confident or comfortable to take the plunge if we didn't have the knowledge. And so we thought other people deserve to have this knowledge, not just real estate agents. And so that was really, you know, that's the backbone behind the class is just everybody can do it. We want to empower people all over the country to be able to do it and help them to feel comfortable and not be crippled by the fear of losing money or buying the wrong thing, but holding their hand through it for sure. Yeah, I think there's also a fear of even asking questions or showing that you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. So this class is the perfect platform to ask questions in a setting where we train our teachers to essentially dumb down the process. Like assume that people know nothing because most people don't and that's okay. That's why we're there. And so just breaking down even the barriers of like, I'm scared to ask a question and sound dumb. That That's what this class is for. Oh, I I just asked a question today to my girl. I was like, hey, what does this mean? And she goes, oh, it has something to do with your credit, but you have phenomenal credits. You're fine. This doesn't even affect you. And like she explained it. I was like, as they don't who, put it in English for you. Because 
if I wouldn't have asked, I would have just passed on the property. I would have been like, I don't want to look at it because it, it would have freaked me out and I would have thought my own assumptions about it. But she explained it and I was like, oh, yeah, I could t- I could still look at it. You know, it's like when you're in the mall and you like pass a really high end store. I grew up like this. My mom would be like, no, we're not going to go in there right now. We're not dressed right. You know, And I'm like, who cares? They don't know what's in my bank. Account. Meanwhile, my grandma could be in her scrubs and she'd walk in and she'd be like, how much is that? Only two grand. Uh, you know, and like she just she had like a confidence about her. So I don't know. That was one of those things where like, it's nice to be able to ask questions because when you have, when you're armed with that knowledge, you feel invincible. And it's almost like now when I walk into a place, I feel like I can kind of look behind me and see my girl being like, you got it. You're good. You're good. And I'm like, okay, I can look around and I can, you know, you build that trust, which I think is really important. And I think by doing the classes, that's exactly what you're doing is building trust with your clientele. I mean, I can imagine people want to work with you even more after that because they're like, oh, hell yeah. They know exactly what they're talking about. Bring it down to earth. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And our teachers, a lot of them, you know, they're great realtors, but they they don't know maybe how to have those first initial conversations with total yeah. strangers. Like if there was a group full of strangers, I wouldn't know how to get them to now trust me and, you know, but I have all this knowledge and I do know what I'm talking about. I know real estate like the back of my hand, especially in their local market. And so we, we give not only our homeowners who come to our classes, the confidence, but we're also helping our teachers have the confidence to say, no, you know this. And now let's put you in a room to talk about it so that you can connect with these people. And it's just a really, ma- it's a match made in heaven for, for everybody involved, which is awesome. So I just think there's not nothing more badass than specifically a woman that knows her ish about property. Like the words property and woman together in a sentence just get me rock hard. It's so good. It's so <laughs> good because typically you see it's more of a male dominated space. And so when you meet a what like one of my friends friends is she's high, high end. She like sells on the beach and it's talking to her is incredible because I'm like, you must really have to fight to be taken serious. Do you feel there's a stereotype to what you guys do? I would say yes. I think real estate, there is a somewhat equal balance of male to women, but the average age of a realtor is like mid sixties. So being a young female realtor, we definitely have to fight to prove our value. But I think that we've both gotten there and gone through the trials and errors of how to sell ourselves and how to present our knowledge, because you do kind of have to show off what you know in order to be taken seriously. Yeah, you kind of have to peacock a little bit. I'll I'll never forget when I got into the business, especially being in the South, being a young girl, I'd be walking a couple through a house and I'm young enough to be their daughter. And they'd be like, you're the realtor? And I'm like, yeah. And you know, I'm educating them on the location and talking about the home value. And it's almost like they're waiting for me to start sucking my thumb or something. Like, okay, what are you doing? (laughs) You know? And I'm like, yes, I'm, it's not about my age. It's about my experience, my knowledge. And it really did for a long time. It really, I felt like it kept me back in my career. I don't know if you felt like this, Amy, but I had to really overcome the fear of it's okay if people look down at me for being young or it's okay if someone thinks that I'm not uh, credible or what's the word I'm thinking of? I don't know, but oh gosh, what credible works. I know that feeling when you're like, ah, no, there's a word. Like inadequate. That's the word. Feeling inadequate. Yes. And so I felt like actually one of my my first mentors I ever had in real estate, she's like, you need to stop thinking about what people think about you. That's your problem. You know, it's like stop being so concerned with how they view you. And then you'll actually be a great realtor. You know, and if I said, 
send out a postcard to somebody or if I ask them I want to sell their house and they're like, no, why would we hire you? Like not to let that hurt me and just to almost pretend I've got like armor on and then like go out and do my do my job. And that was when I really started making moves in my career is when I just stopped caring as much about what people thought about me. And now it's, you know, 11 years later and I'm so grateful. So yeah, That's but it takes best. a while. I feel like as women, it's like we have to overcome this idea that we aren't as great at what we do. I think that's changing though. I don't know how it feels right but in Nashville, I don't feel that as much as I did when I first got into real estate, but. I just feel like in general, the paradigm is shifting, especially on, so well, and also depends on how your algorithms are curated because yeah. mine is like so pro-women that I'm like, ah, yes, a perfect utopian society. You know, it's like. We have entered Barbie land. <laughs> run, run by all women, but I feel like you wouldn't want to work with those type of people anyway because I can imagine that you would run into butting heads a lot so I think by not letting that get to you you end up finding people that are that actually do want to work like I want to work with somebody who isn't gonna look down on me because I'm young and I'm trying to you know let's say buy a house and they're in their 60s or 70s and it's like well do you understand the market today is very different from when you were you know what I mean so I feel like there's a lot a lot of that you have to take into consideration. But since we're kind of talking about pros, cons, renting, buying, ooh, all very big words for Stephanie right now because <laughs> I'm going through the process of renting and then in a year I want to buy. So what are the pros and cons of renting versus buying? Yeah. Ooh, there's so many things to talk about here. I think the most like fun and easy way to compare them is to say renting is kind of like flushing your money, which is aggressive, but just just bear with me. It's like flushing your hard-earned money. Whereas buying is like putting your money in a piggy bank where you get to keep that money, but it also appreciates over time. And I think I actually was talking with a friend who had bought a condo recently. And I told her, not only do you get to get get back that money that you're paying into your mortgage, but also it appreciates. So it really is like a piggy bank where even though you're paying your mortgage payment, it doesn't just disappear. You get that back at the end of the day, whether that means selling or renting or refinancing, but you got to keep that money at the end of the day. So that's a good way to think about it. I don't know if I've ever thought about like, oh, I'll get my mortgage payment back. Cause like, I'm also like, we've lived in this house. I think it will be or it was for three years in October, three years in October, crazy. And yeah, so it like doesn't, it did that never has crossed my mind that like, oh, that money will actually come back to me. That payment is just kind of like, no, I still live here. Thank you so much. Uh, I'll see you in like 50 years. Bye-bye. Yeah, so that's an awesome way of thinking about it. Thank you. I never thought of that. And I'm going to tell my husband that when he comes home and be like, we're going to take that money right back. <laughs> there you well go. And you have to remember too, I mean, if you sign a 12-month lease and your payment is $2,000 a month, you're about to pay $24,000 to this landlord you don't know and never see $24,000 again. And that's just for one, if you rent for one year. Whereas a lot of home buyers are like, well, I don't want to buy a house because it's so expensive and it's going to drain my bank account. And I'm like, well, if you rent for another year, you're about to drain $24,000. So that's a, just another way to kind of think about it in terms of saving for a down payment does feel hard. And a lot of people have to budget or ask a family member for help for a down payment. And it feels strapping for cash, but just don't forget how else you're going to be strapped for cash when you, you know, 
lose $24,000 in a year. So Stephanie's reassessing her entire uh, everything. No, week. it's you're going to be totally good. We're we've already pretty settled into this decision. That was the first time I had ever seen like a leasing agreement. And I saw on the paper like the yearly total. And I was like, what's that? My boyfriend's like, that's what we'd be paying over the year. And I'm like, are you absolutely kidding me? And I just got so like irate at seeing how high that number was. I was like, well, that could be part of a down payment on a car. My God, yeah. I could buy a new one. Like it just, it flustered me. So I'm trying to be. There's a time and place for everyone. I mean, not everyone yeah. else right now. So there's, yeah. No, but we always want to encourage people to get started as soon as possible. Yeah. We so that money whenever. Well, you that, can. I mean, and that was the thing too, as I said, no more than a year. I was like, cause this over the long term feels like I might as well just burn my money. Just let's go out back and burn it. You know what I mean? On a nice cool night. So what should first time home buyers expect when they're going into this experience? And like, what are some things they should be considering? The experience of coming to class or coming or, or purchasing their first home? Purchasing their first home. I would love to know what their experience would be coming to class. Cause I feel like that's a really good starting point, right? Cause you're going to come to the class probably first. Yeah. And then, and then you're going to get into the experience. So kind of let's take it from class and then move over to what the actual experience is like. Yeah. So depending on where you're located in the US, if you go to our website, howtobuyhouseclass.com, you can click on your city and see which class is happening in your city. When it's happening, you can sign up. Classes are always free. And what you can expect is just a really approachable, fun, kind of like a happy hour social event where we talk all about the basics of buying a house, which I'm going to turn to Amy of what to expect when you are purchasing your first home. That is something we talk about in class. And I'll let Amy kind of answer the second part to that question. Yeah. So I would say to start class is like an overview of the process, right? There's no way that we could do a deep dive on every aspect of buying a home in an hour. Most of our classes are around an hour. But once you buy a house, we always stress to partner with a trusted local realtor and they are your guide from there on out. So you really don't need to remember everything or know everything. You can ask them questions, but you should do some sort of like buyer consultation with them. So like a coffee meeting, you'll talk through your wants and needs, your timeline, your budget. They will set you up with a trusted local lender who will then pre-approve you. So you have a real hard and fast idea of how much you can spend on this and what that looks like on a monthly basis and a purchase price basis. And then from there, they'll just walk you through the process. I'm looking at your website and you guys are incredible. This looks awesome. I Stephanie just rebranded our website. website. Just take a note. I was loving your website. I thought it was so fun give and approachable. It, give it all uh, to Steph. I, I just beautiful. sat there and told her what colors I liked where. <laughs> I seriously, it was like the most fun website I've been on all year. Yeah. Oh, would, Stephanie's going to cry. I still have it up. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's my home screen. No. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. And that's the thing, right? Is like, it shouldn't be so scary. And I like that because I'm looking through everything and I'm looking at what to expect and you lay it out. It's really crystal clear. And that's really nice because I've, I've seen some things where you're just like, this makes no sense. Like, do I need to be, do I have to have my own degree to be able to do this? And you two obviously look gorgeous and totally approachable in these pictures too, which is like fabulous. Yeah, I don't quite understand how you have three children, Jessica. That's just kind it's of insane. Mind boggling. You were like, yeah, I have three kids. I was like, where, where did they come from? You guys, they're, they're screaming upstairs. I really hope you can't hear. I can't it. hear. <laughs> I was going to ask. I was like, I, I 
think that that's it, like a duvet behind you. It looks beautiful. <laughs> what is your skincare routine? Because crystal clear skin. You guys, I mean, wow, thanks. Let's make this a two-hour episode. You just, <laughs> yeah, you just talk Amy. about you for like going. an yeah, hour. For real. Yeah, Amy, you'll be on the second hour. We'll start listing off your your beauty Attributes, and your yeah. yeah. Oh my she's gosh. She's beauty and she's grace. I'll just sing to you for two hours. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I was going to tell you guys a little story that we usually tell in class or, or I always usually tell in class, but there was a guy that came to our class that he was renting and he, to me, you know, when we think about first time home buyers, I think of like, who's the most eligible right now to probably buy? He was the most uneligible person. Is that the right word? Uneligible? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Uneligible person. Sorry, it's late. I'm like, what are my words? Most ineligible work person to probably be able to buy a house at this point. But he came to a class like this and he learned that he can get pre-approved for a first time home buyer loan. So he could get pre-approved without really having a lot of money in his bank account, which is perfect because he was in a band and didn't have a lot of money in his savings. But he got approved for this first time home buyer loan and he was able to buy a house actually in East Nashville, which is like kind of the Brooklyn of Nashville. Older house, but it had three bedrooms, one bath on the first floor. And then it had this big basement apartment. And we negotiated the price down and we even negotiated that the seller paid for his closing costs. Usually that's an amount of money. Along with your down payment, you have to have closing costs as well when you go to buy the house. So not only was he getting 100% financing, so no down payment, but now we negotiated the seller paid for his closing costs, which is the power of having a really great realtor. But he ended up buying this house with basically like $500 in his bank account. And then he's like in a band, doesn't have regular income. He had his band buddies rent the upstairs from him. So he had three roommates paying him $500 a month in rent and he lived downstairs. Now this was like six or seven years ago. This friend still doesn't have a real job has now that property is appreciated. I think we bought it for, you know, $150,000 and now it's worth around $300,000. And he used that income, that equity and bought another house and then did the same thing about another house. And so now he, like I said, still doesn't have a real job, but owns three properties. And that is the power of owning real estate is you can manipulate it and kind of transfer or rent it or lease it, or you can go live in Europe for six months and rent it to a friend and sublet it. And that over time will appreciate. And, you know, yes, you spent whatever you spent to buy it, but that equity sometimes, especially in a really hot market. And I know Florida where you guys are at, there are certain areas that just have skyrocketed, especially like where my brother lives in West Palm. I mean, things have, he bought his house for $500,000 and now I think it's worth over a million. Yeah. It's the price point for stuff is like outrageous. It's, it's high. Right. So imagine if you were like my brother or like this guy in the stories, like now you could take that income and pay off all your student loan debt or buy your parents a house or set yourself up for, with a 401k and have a retirement account. I mean, there's so many different things you could do, you could do with it, but that's the part of just going to a class and just learning what your options are and realizing like, oh, I don't have to wait till everything's perfect. I can just like maneuver and see how I can make it work now and not buying your dream house right away. He didn't by any means buy his dream house, but he bought something that made sense for him that he felt comfortable with in the area that made sense. And that's really what we kind of hone in on in class is thinking about your house from a financial standpoint and from an investment standpoint and not like a, oh, it has to have birds singing in the window and like a big front porch. It's like, no, how can this house bring me to the next step financially so that I'm in a better place next year or in two years? I mean, Amy's a pro at this now. I mean, she's got a few properties now under her belt and she's been slaying the real estate game. But that is like, I mean, you just have to start somewhere. And like I said, my buddy was like the most unprepared buyer and he was able to do it. So if you think you can't do it, you're in good company. Most people don't realize they can do it. Would so. that be considered now that he owns multiple properties? Is that considered just passive income? 
income? Yes, 100%. And we call that house hacking or cash flow. It's just using, you have to pay to live somewhere anyway. So may as well pay yourself back and also have your house make money for you. Sorry, that's my long dream. No, we're just more, I think, in awe of the fact that this man plays in a band for a living and just bought like a (laughs) ton of property. It's more trying to figure out how he got through the system. Yeah, God phenomenal good for him it's really fun to tell people about and actually jessica and i have both house hacked jessica has an airbnb on the back of her house smart and i have roommates which allowed me to just save all of my income and buy a rental property so it's pretty cool to have stories like that to tell people that like you can do it it's not it's not like you have to have all this crazy money to buy a house so i i really appreciate that and i had a question and we can totally cut this because i'm always curious from a business standpoint like you did say that the class is free so therefore are you making money through you becoming hopefully their realtors is that the way that you're getting that money back with through the investment of making it free because like this podcast is free for anybody to listen to right anybody can then take this information that we are putting out there and, and putting our blood sweat and tears into and then hopefully the investment is them investing in us by buying us merch or donating so that we can get more things and do more cool things and give back to our community. So like, is that kind of a similar business model that you have? Yeah. So yes, the class is free. Our partners, so our teachers across the country pay a monthly fee to be a part of our program. And so it is a no obligation class. People don't have to end up using them as their realtor, but what usually happens is they fall in love with this person and their personality and their knowledge. And they feel so grateful that they poured into them for an hour. So they're like, of course, I'm going to use this person. And so it's a lead generator for these realtors that partner with us, as well as a network of other top realtors across. The That's kind of what I gathered from your website, too, is that it seems like you provide this platform and this network that they would not have on their own otherwise. And so that's kind of the the gain for them to pay into you guys because you're you're providing exactly. you're providing backing for them and then it's like what's you know this amount turns into this amount from all the people that they get to work with them that's so smart my god you guys yeah are it, no incredible. it's really smart our company solves two problems is that it helps connect you know first-time home buyers with a great realtor learn about their market but then it also helps solve the problem for realtors you know realtors want new clients and so they're like how do i meet new people in my neighborhood how do i meet the person that i pass in the grocery store without being like hi do you need a real estate agent yeah. like it's so this to is them really... and their babies and start like pinching their cheeks, which is what my dad does. And I'm like, you can't touch babies anymore. You can't <laughs> do it. That's what I do to get clients still. I'm like, just give me your she baby. She straight and up just steals their baby. She's like, if you want them, you got to come to the class. No, <laughs> <laughs> there's like an FBI warning, like baby bandit on the loose. Oh my gosh. No, yeah. But then I guess for realtors, it's, you know, kind of solves a problem, gives them a platform. It also gives them just the confidence because I do think public speaking can be scary for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And so part of our training is we really train our realtors to just be confident in their knowledge and feel comfortable talking to a room full of strangers. And that's been really fun. And a lot of our teachers are women. And what's funny is a lot of our teachers used to be teachers and then they became realtors. So they're very passionate about education too. And all all of our teachers are incredible. Like we're 
very selective on, you know, who, who becomes a how to buy a house class teacher, but all of our teachers are so passionate about what they're teaching and they themselves have, their lives have been changed through real estate. And so when they're up there teaching, you can just feel that they really do care about your well-being and want you to digest the information. And that's super important to us because we want, obviously, everyone that comes to class to have a similar experience. So that's what I was going to say. Is there like an audition process or like, do they submit an application? Five, like- six, seven, eight. I was going to say, can you guys do a little like theater? We definitely could. That's, I mean, that's our background. That's our application process. No, we have must have theater background. 16 bars and a a minute monologue. Contrasting monologue. (laughs) Headshot. Thank you so much. That would be great. We'll consider that. Thanks for that feedback. (laughs) We have an application where we ask about their experience, how many deals they close to get an idea of if they have experience in practice, not just, you know, from closing one or two deals. And then we also do some stocking on the back end to make sure that they're putting off a presence that is approachable, that people would feel comfortable going to their class and calling them and asking them questions. And then also doing things like reading their online reviews. So we do a pretty good job stocking people on the back end before we're okay with them representing our brand in our class. I mean, I that's love that. oh, it's what, kind we of what we do too, here. I think. Yeah, that's I gotta just make being sure smart. that you guys are like top notch and that you're not gonna come on here and like throw up your shirt and like run around and try and tell me to join some sort of cult. So which which podcast is that? Because I want to listen to uh, that. Right? I'm just gonna tell you. <laughs> I, I, that's I'm the sure there's a ton hours. of cult podcasts. <laughs> I can't even imagine. So I had a question that kept coming into my head because I it was funny. It's, like I said, Steph and her boyfriend were just over yesterday. And so we were having dinner and we were talking about our real estate nightmares that we've had when we were looking for our first home. So like finding a realtor can be very stressful and finding somebody who actually you connect with and that you feel knows what they're doing. So like, what are some of the attributes that you're looking for? And like, how do we know as buyers that they know what they're doing. Like what are some of the things that we can look for? There are so many ways to find a good realtor. Obviously coming to one of our classes is a great way. I think if there's a realtor that you trust in another market, that's really helpful. Like if you're moving from Jacksonville to West Palm and because a lot of people that are buying a house are relocating. So asking another realtor in another city to recommend one to you is great. Usually because they either already know a great realtor that they've referred to in that city, but also because they're in the business, they know what to look out for and maybe have heard of someone really great. So that's what I would do. Like if I were buying somewhere else, I'd ask another realtor. If you have a a lender already selected, so if you have a local trusted lender who's going to do your loan, that is an incredible resource right there to say, hey, who's a really great realtor that you know is in, you know, works within my budget and is looking in our area. I'm sure they can give you a lot of really great names. I wouldn't just straight up Google like top realtors in Miami because most of the agents that are going to come up pay for those spots on, you know, Google ads. What? That doesn't happen in podcasting either. People don't yeah. pay to play. So, you know, that can be scary, but yet, you know, asking families and family and friends who they've used is great. I mean, any sort of recommendation you can get from another family member that just recently bought. I've actually seen a lot of people get connected on Facebook groups. We don't really talk about this much in classes, like how to find a realtor. You know, I've seen a lot of people say like, who did you use in this neighborhood? Because I will say it's super important. And we do talk about this in class is to use somebody who knows the areas you're interested in, whether you know them or not. But if you're like, hey, we have to be within 15 minutes of the airport or wherever. Use someone who does a lot of business in the area you're interested in, because I guarantee that's going to already give 
give you a leg up when it comes to looking at properties, knowing if something's a good deal, having a property that maybe isn't even on the market yet, but they're like, hey, my seller from two years ago, they're moving because they just got pregnant because they're great at their job and they know what's happening with their clients. And they're like, their house would be perfect for you and I'm about to list it next month. And now you get to be the first people to see it. And that's the power of just using someone who works a lot in that area. So no matter what, no matter where you get names from, even if you've narrowed it down to three people, ask that realtor, say, hey, do you sell houses in Clark Shores or in East Nashville? And they might be like, oh yeah, I do. But then you can actually get online and look at their recently sold listings and see if they have any in that area and ask them how long they've been in the business. What are they passionate about? Do they own their own home? Mm. Those are all really great questions to ask. You guys make me want to get my real estate license. <laughs> like I'm ready. Where do I sign up? I know. It's like every interview, like I get so inspired. I'm like, I'm going to do it all. Multifaceted woman. You can, you can do it all. Yeah, do you, it. you can. Thank you. you can do it all. See, Stephanie. Emily, I'm the one that's helping you get a job. Don't it's true. It's me. true. So we're talking about, oh, I'm sorry. I feel like you and I are no. going to ask the same question. So go. Probably. I mean, we have so many questions listed and I just want to make sure that we get to like the most key important ones. So I was going to ask like home buying myths then. Yes. Because there's so many out there. Like we were talking about like this idea of like, you have to be buried and children and then kids and the white picket fence and like all of this stuff that we were told. Those are all myths that we have created that you don't actually need that. So like, what are some of the big myths that you're just constantly debunking for people? I would say the first one that comes to mind is that you need 20% down to buy a home. Most first time home buyers are around three to 5% down, which is surprising to people, but it's very doable. There's so many different loan programs out there. There are even 0% down loan programs. Like Jessica mentioned earlier, if you can negotiate that the seller pays your closing costs and you use 0% down, you could potentially buy a house with $0. I mean, that doesn't happen super often, but if you really want to hustle and hack the system, then you could make it happen. But if you buy with less than 20% down, you just pay a small private mortgage insurance or PMI on your monthly mortgage payment until you get to that 20% in equity. And if you're in a city like Nashville or in South Florida where homes are appreciating really quickly, quickly, you might be able to drop that PMI after a year or two without reaching that 20% just because the equity reached it on its own. So that's kind of nitty gritty, but I love that. You taught me something. Thank you. Another myth we get a lot that people are like, oh my gosh, I didn't know is that you don't have to have perfect credit either. So if you're thinking, oh, I you know, don't have 20% down. I don't have perfect credit. I can't buy a house. My number one recommendation would be just go talk to a lender. Even if you just started a new job, you don't have any savings, you don't even have any credit, go talk to a lender. It's never too early. It's always free. And it's kind of like free financial coaching because they're going to look at your finances. They'll look at your bank account. They'll kind of look at the prediction for what you're going to do this year income wise. And they might say, hey, if you pay off that credit card, and you pay off that one student loan, you actually are gonna be eligible this time next year to get pre-approved to buy a house. So then bam, you've got a goal in mind for the rest of the year of like, okay, I'm gonna pay those two things off. I'm not gonna buy Starbucks every single day. I'm gonna, you know, start budgeting. And then that way this time next year, cause the year goes by like that. But that way next year, you're actually able to get pre-approved cause that is the golden ticket. You have to get pre-approved. Unless you're sitting on a bunch of cash or your grandma's got an inheritance for you and you know, you can buy something. You should buy a house today. Don't wait. If you've got cash, go for it. But most people have to get a loan. And that's the process. And it's never too early to get that process started, but it will just give you kind of an idea. But a lot of people end up coming to class and they're like, oh, I didn't know I could buy a house with a 
580 credit score because that's what I have. And then guess what? The next day they're looking at houses. And you know, those people now that bought five years ago, they're like, oh my gosh, thank God I bought when I did because now look at how expensive it is. So, you know, I was actually just listening to another real estate podcast last week and they think that people that bought, you know, in 2021, 2022, they're like, oh man, should have bought then. They're going to say that about this time right now. They're going to say, oh, I should have bought the beginning of 2024 because they're expecting things to just keep getting more expensive, especially if rates go down this year, like they're predicting. So yeah, my mom was just, just telling me about that. I don't want that to put any like weird fire into your butt or make you even more afraid of the process. The moral of the story is get pre-approved, educate yourself. If you're not ready to get pre-approved, just go ahead and talk to a lender and then buy when it feels right for you and you feel like you have peace about it. And especially having the right realtor by your side, that will bring you more peace. Buying the right thing. It doesn't have to be the perfect thing, but just the right thing. Another one of my favorite myths, this can be our last one. We could probably keep going forever, is whenever people try to time the market, they're like, well, rates are going to drop. So I want to wait until it's at the very lowest. And unless you're an economist or super lucky, no one is going to time the market. And there's never going to be a perfect time where prices are low and rates are low. That's just not how supply and demand works. So really just buying whenever is right for you. Maybe it's when your lease is up or when you are just in the right mindset, but yeah, just doing it based off of your own life and your own needs. So the question that I want to make sure that we definitely get to before the questions from the audience, because this whole show is about, or the whole new format of this is really to break all of these cyclical patterns that we've had generationally and societally. So I think it's really important as the world gets more and more expensive, people are finding it harder to buy their first homes because- we're not sitting on piles and piles of cash. So how do we start to make home buying more accessible for single mothers, for young mothers, for young couples that are in their, you know, early 20s and want to do this for themselves and their future? Because the only way, honestly, that my husband and I are able to have the house that we have is because I knew the investment that real estate was and I wanted to make that for us in our future because we're never going to be millionaires. It's just not in the cards. We're both in education. So I was like, well, we don't need anything. We've lived together for X amount of years before we bought our house, we asked specifically in our wedding, nobody gets us gifts. They just pay a little bit of whatever they wanted to gift us. And we were using that towards our down payment. Like that was our big thing. And I thought it was a really beautiful thing. I mean, my mom got very upset with me because it's not the typical thing, right? That you're asking for. You're like, oh, this is a little tacky. You're asking for money. I was like, yeah, I am. But you forever get to be part of something that I've now purchased and it's made a huge impact on my life. So I actually think it's a, a beautiful gift, but that's just me. So that's the only way that we were capable of doing this at that time. So like, how do we do this for people that are like, I'm never going to have it because that's definitely what I thought. Man, I love that idea. And I'm going to tell all of my kids to do that at their wedding. Goodness gracious, you are so smart. I was like, don't you want to help me have a roof over my head? I don't care what candlesticks you got me. I, I want a roof, man. And then you can literally, you're investing in me and my relationship. What a beautiful gift. For sure. We've helped a lot of people who were single, who never thought they'd be able to buy. I know a couple years ago, we had a mother who had a daughter who was four and then had twins and she was a single mom. And she had been renting her entire life. And then it wasn't until she was in her mid fifties that she finally called me one day and she's like, okay, I see that you're doing this class. I don't think I'm at all able to buy a house, but I just want to like see. And sure enough, we 
were able to get her pre-approved. It took us two years. We got her pre-approved. And I, I would encourage anybody who's in a similar shoes to hers, or if you're thinking, you know, I'm, I'm the last person on earth that's going to be able to buy a house. There are a lot of really great programs out there. First time homebuyer programs. There are like affordable housing, different types of programs that the government give out for people who are a lot lower income. And if you're eligible, a lot of times you can get 100% financing, which means no down payment. And then what's great and what we were able to do for my friend was we got her one of those programs. She only had to put one or 3% down. And then we just told all of the sellers that we were interested in, you know, if we found a house that she was interested in, we would say, hey, we'll give you a little bit more of the purchase price if you can cover our closing costs because she didn't have the cash in her bank account to cover. So we were just very creative with how we structured her loan. And then on top of that, when it came to repairs, we said, don't fix anything at the house, just give us the cash so we can fix it later. And then we also negotiated a 210 warranty. So if, you know, the AC broke in the midsummer and now it's a $5,000 fix, instead she has a warranty to come pay for it instead of her needing five grand in her bank account. So I think just being creative with how you structure the loan is possible. A lot of people think this is the price tag, so that's how I have to pay it. It's not always that way. And I've had a lot of sellers say, hey, your story has touched me. I'm going to give you 50 grand off the sale price because maybe it was their grandmother's house and they're just taking a pay cut out of it. So I think just hoping for the best when you go into it. And I have I've seen a lot of really cool miracles and things happen in the home buying journey. The other thing I was going to mention was, oh, what was the other idea? Oh, never mind. If it comes to me, I'll bring it up. Oh, that the other thing I was going to mention was, I would say broadening your horizons is another piece of advice. If, if you're thinking, I have to be in this neighborhood and I have to be at this part of town because this is my grocery store. If you are in that lower price range, open yourself up to a little bit bigger of a commute or a little bit smaller of a house because it's all about price condition and location. You might be stuck to a certain price point because of your income. But if you're open to a different location or open to just a different part of town or maybe a little bit longer of a commute, you might end up being able to buy a little bit more house that actually fits your needs, which is what we were able to do for my friend. She's not right downtown. She lives about 35 minutes away. We found a great house that fits her family. And now she has equity in it. She's like, oh my gosh, my house, my Zillow estimate came in and it's at 275 and we bought it for 200 and I've done nothing to it. And I'm like, yes, that is real estate. So if she can do it, you can do it. I love that. That makes me happy. Last piece of advice. Because if someone's listening to this podcast, I don't want them to be like, oh, I don't know. Another thing you can do is if you are renting and you're in a space that you loved, you're like, I wish I could own this house. Ask your landlord if they'd be open to a lease to purchase contract. That is where you basically keep renting, but instead of your money getting flushed on the toilet, it goes towards the overall amount that you are agreeing to pay for that house or that condo or whatever. So that's just another idea. And I've done a few of those. It's not super often, but the benefit is if that seller is like, I, I want to sell this, but I don't want to have to repaint. I don't want to have to put it on the market. I don't want to pay realtor commissions. There's a benefit to them doing that. So entertaining it and asking them if they'd be open to it is always a good idea. All right. Well, I have a ton of really good questions from people. So this person writes, I'm a first time home buyer looking to get a condo in a large city. I found a realtor online and contacted them stating my intentions and they said they will give me a call. What should I expect from my first call with a real estate agent? What are some questions they are likely to ask me? And on the flip side, what type of questions should I ask them? I'm brand new to this process, so I have no idea what I'm doing. Oh, this is good. I would say try to meet them face to face as soon as possible. I'm sure the realtor is just doing like an initial vetting call to even see if it's worth their time to meet face to face. So they'll probably be asking things like your budget and your timeline. Things that you can be asking them is, are you a full-time realtor? Because part-time realtors obviously don't have as much of bandwidth to be looking for properties and be on call all the time. Are you a full-time realtor? What areas do you sell a lot in? Do you work often with first 
first-time home buyers. That will give you an idea of how well they'll answer your questions and educate you along the way. Jess, do you have anything to add? Yeah. And I think don't be afraid to ask them those questions that we would go through in class, especially if you're intimidated by the fact that they're like, oh, they're probably a busy realtor. They probably sell houses that are more expensive than what I'm going to buy. Don't worry about that. Most great realtors, it doesn't matter where what you're buying or when you're buying it or how much you're willing to spend. A good realtor is going to help you. So I would say don't be afraid to ask those questions that you think might be stupid questions because there's no such thing and see how that realtor responds. If they're, you know, really short on the phone or, you know, they're acting distracted or if they're like, oh yeah, I'll get back to you. Maybe that you should interview another realtor as well. I completely agree with, with what Amy said about meeting in person. I think just seeing their attention to you is important because especially at the beginning, it's kind of like in a relationship, like the beginning is when it's really good. But after you've been working with this realtor for a year, maybe they don't respond to you as quickly because sometimes it can take a year to find the right thing. So making sure that they just give you a lot of good attention that they're, they like their personality because it is a relationship that you're going into with your realtor. I know with Amy and I, we have clients that we've become really good friends with because we just care about them so much. Finding that realtor that you're like, okay, I'd be friends with this person. I trust them. So important. That's really yeah. good advice. All right. I got two more coming at you, but one at a time. What is the difference between a 15 and 30 year mortgage? I feel like I can afford a 15 year mortgage. There are a lot of days where I make a thousand dollars in a single day. So I don't see myself having that much difficulty. Congratulations. First of all, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing for a living? And can you, yes. are they hiring? Yeah. Like, oh my goodness. I would say the big difference is that a 15 year usually has a lower rate because the banks are benefiting by not putting as much money on the line. But I would encourage people, and actually I've had mentors encourage me this as well, with a 30-year mortgage, you can pay it off early. You can do a full extra payment every year, or you know, you can put extra chunks towards the principal, and then you're not on the line as much with having a higher monthly payment locked in. You're just more secure with a lower monthly payment, and then you can add on more whenever you get bonuses or whenever you feel like you want to. So that was something that my my in-laws told us when we first bought this, they were like, just tack on an extra 50 or a hundred bucks if you have it. They were like, it will make a difference. All right. My last question for you. So this person writes new to real estate. My girlfriend and I want to buy a house. I would like to use my first time home buyer rate at 3% down. Is there a way to add my girlfriend to anything, whether it be the deed, the title, etc.? Also keep her eligible for her first time home buyer loan if she would want to purchase another property down the road? That's a really good question. For First of all, I feel like that's a two-part question. If the girlfriend gets added to the deed, then I think that would jeopardize her being able to use the first-time homebuyer loan because then it would now be a second purchase for her. That would be a really good question for a lender, especially a local lender. The first part of the question about if I can add her, it depends on what state you're in because every state contract is different. In Tennessee, it used to be really easy to just add on another buyer. So if I'm buying a property, I can just add my husband. It's now, you, you could still do that, but there are hoops you have to jump through and obviously you have to make sure that they're they're income and their credit don't affect your loan that you're getting. So the best way to answer that question is to talk to your lender. Ask them what it's going to look like if you're adding your girlfriend. There are some cases where it actually made more sense to leave the significant other or leave the partner off of the loan because their income was actually better on their own than when they were combined or their credit score. It could just make the payment a little bit worse or make you have to put more down. So just, yeah, talk to your lender. They'll look at everything. That's just the best advice I can give based on wherever you're at. Yeah, that's definitely a regional question, but I would say too, don't feel like you have to rush to make that decision before you purchase the property because usually you can do at least in Tennessee I think in most places too you can do a quick claim deed which is where you change the title or the deed so you can add them later on potentially awesome amazing 
I, that's I mean, so we, helpful clearly. Too. Yeah, yeah. We had so many more questions. I feel like we could probably do a part two because truly, I have, like I said, I have horror stories from our first time buying experience to hopefully avoid that for anybody else. So just uh, immense thank yous. We, you know, we kind of know what we're walking into all the time, but not always because we don't really speak to you. It's not like we like vet you guys by phone call or anything before. So we're just like, well, we hope there's a good dynamic. So thank you for playing along later. Ladies, this was a blast and a half. For sure. And if you're listening to this and you want more, we have a How to Buy a House podcast that you can listen to. And we debunk a lot of these fears and talk through a lot of what we go through in class. So I love that our podcasts have now morphed and met each other. But yeah, we we talk about a lot of this stuff and get into nitty gritty details on different Like I said, your website's time, phenomenal. So, so where can people find you? And do you have any fun projects coming up that we should be keeping our eyes and ears open for? We release podcast episodes every week. So there's always fun projects. And you can find us at howtobuyahouseclass.com. And on Instagram, we are the How to Buy a House class. You can also download our mobile app and it's free or we also have like a premium subscription and it is chock full of amazing. It really does hold your hand through the home buying process, especially if you have a realtor that you're signed on with that maybe you're like, I didn't get a lot of great info. Download the app and I guarantee that anything that you are concerned about, there's another buyer that's been concerned about it and we wrote a blog about it. And so that's a really great resource for you. And that's just in the app store. Yeah, I'll definitely be, once I saw a podcast on your pull down menu, I was like, oh yes, I will be listening to that because this is all brand new to me, but it's so fascinating and it's so, it really is so empowering to learn about this stuff and realize that like you're psyching yourself out for it. And when someone who's knowledgeable and experienced in it and who has done it as well as you ladies have breaks it down to you, you're like, well, damn, I was just doing this to myself. So everyone, please, all the links are going to be below. Please go check them out. Thank you so much for taking time to speak to us. We were really excited about this. I mean, the timing could not have been more perfect. I was like, wow, I'm really excited (laughs) about this. So thank you just so much for taking time to to speak to us really yeah, we appreciate awesome. it thank you so much for having us on yeah you guys are you guys are so fun i love the just the energy and the what you guys are all about i think it's really really cool so thanks for having us stop we're blushing now <laughs> you can't see it but we're blushing <laughs> and if you guys don't know who we are that are listening what are you living under a rock you can find us at www.cyclechats.com it's all there and if you want to find us on instagram we're different now we are a network so it is at cycle chats network all one word everything will be below please go check out amy and jessica and as always we hope you continue to sync up with us 